Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Life Community Church Online today. I'm Liz. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life, and we are um, starting a new series today, and it will be looking through the book of Ephesians and gleaning from the book of Ephesians um, some wonderful truth and insight and really this grand picture of God building a new family. And that's what we really want to just focus on as we go into 2022. We want to position ourselves in hope that God is building a new family of God. That's what he's doing. He's had this long awaited plan um, to choose us in him, to clothe us with an identity and a purpose in the church and to help us live out life with him. He gives us the power to do that. And so as we go into 2022, we want to, as a church, focus on how God is building us as a family of God and how he's building us as a family around his love and around his presence. We are a dwelling place for God, the family of God. And so despite the craziness sometimes going on in the world and the fact that we're online because of COVID and all the crazies, we are here positioned in hope. There is so much that we've been given and we're gonna dive into that um, during this series in Ephesians. Um, so let's get started. You know, um, we're going to start in chapter one. It says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So right away, we see Paul is the author of this letter written to the church at Ephesus. And those people are called the Ephesians. And what's interesting is we do know some a little background history of when this letter was written and what was happening in Ephesus and Paul's um, experience in Ephesus. He spent a lot of time in Ephesus before he wrote this letter. Um, now, something interesting to know about Paul, right, right from the beginning, it says that he is an apostle chosen um, by the will of God. Now, an apostle is someone that's commissioned directly from Jesus to be a representative, to go out and speak on his behalf. Um, and Paul was not an original disciple. He didn't was not one of the 12 following Jesus during his earthly ministry. He had uh, an, an amazing encounter that you can read about in Acts 9, where he came to know Jesus as his savior. Before he became an apostle, Paul, also known as Saul, um, which is his Hebrew name, was a persecutor of the church. He hated Christians. Um, he was an Orthodox Jew. He upheld the Jewish religion and it was his 
job to protect it at all cost. And uh, Jesus and his followers presented a threat to the Jewish religion. And Paul went out and persecuted early Christians and persecuted the church and would drag them to jail. And it talks about that in Acts. And then as he's going around doing this, he is walking down the road and has this amazing supernatural encounter with Jesus. Um, all of a sudden there is blinding light that like surrounds him and he hears this voice um, and it says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul doesn't really know who's talking. He thinks maybe it's God, maybe it's an angel. He doesn't know what's happening in this supernatural encounter. But Jesus responds, it's me, it's Jesus, and you're persecuting me. And so Paul has this uh, whirlwind experience where he is transformed completely and given over to the grace and truth of who Jesus really is. And so he, he completely changes his life and he starts following Jesus. He's commissioned by Jesus through this encounter to now spread the gospel to the Gentile people. And so he starts off the rest of his life doing that. And after a few years um, of training, he starts going on these missionary journeys where he spreads the gospel to the Gentile nation, those that are non-Jewish people. And on his third missionary journey is when he goes to Ephesus, where this letter is written. And it is in Ephesus that we um, see in Acts 19 a little picture of what was happening while he was there on this missionary journey. Um, so it says like he went there and he found some believers there in, in Ephesus. And he starts talking with them and he says, Do you, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they were like, we don't know who the Holy Spirit is. And he was like, oh, well, what was your baptism? And they said, we've been baptized by John, in John the Baptist baptism. And he's like, oh, well, you haven't been baptized with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. And so he baptized them in the name of Jesus and he lays his hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit and they start speaking in tongues and they start prophesying. And that's just the beginning of how the Spirit was poured out in Ephesus. Um, a little bit about Ephesus. Ephesus was a huge city in what we uh, consider modern day Turkey. And it was right on the port. And so there was lots of commerce, lots of trade. There were roads from Ephesus spread out everywhere along the coast there. And it was a melting pot of culture and people. It was a very diverse place. And it actually was also an epicenter of Greek and Roman uh, worship and gods. And so there's lots of idol worship. Um, and there was actual, actually a huge temple to the god Artemis there. The population was expected, was estimated to be around 200 and 
50,000. I mean, it was like a, a modern day Champagne Urbana, basically. It was huge um, and, and, and dark and spiritually dark. And so this is where Paul was spreading the gospel. And so after the Spirit is poured out on these believers, then he starts um, preaching about the kingdom of God day after day after day. And then he had to change his location because some people were opposed to his message. And so then he had daily discussions at the lecture hall, it says in Acts 19. And then he spent the next two years teaching daily about Jesus. And it says both Jews and Greeks heard about the word of the Lord. And then God gave Paul um, amazing power to perform miracles. And it talks about how handkerchiefs or aprons just had to merely touch his skin. And then they were given to sick people and they were healed. Um, and so the spirit was poured out in such a profound way. And then... It goes on to, to talk about how a lot of people um, became believers. They confessed their sinful practices and uh, they gave up and burned um, their books on sorcery. And this started a little bit of a riot even in Ephesus because uh, some of the people, um, tradespeople, were losing money on the the idols to Aramaeus. People were giving up their idol worship, so much so that they were losing money. And they kind of ganged up on Paul and tried to run him out of town. But it says in verse 20, the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. That's amazing. I mean, what would it look like for the spirit to be poured out on our family, Life Community Church, and the gospel and the spirit having a powerful effect in our community. Pray for that with me. I pray about that. I pray that um, the spirit would be poured out in a powerful way, that it would change, that he would change our lives, that more people would come to know uh, who Jesus is and how much Jesus has for them and how um, he can totally transform our lives and give us great purpose, great joy, great love, great peace, great hope. And what would it look like for the spirit to come and, and do miracles and healing and help us, you know, get rid of the roots of our sin and the roots of our trauma and the roots of dysfunction and that we would confess and we would pour ourselves out in worship and we would just see the Holy Spirit move amongst us as he builds this new family of God at Life Community Church. So pray that with me. Pray that we would, we would see an outpouring of the Spirit. So Paul spends two and a half years doing all these things in Ephesus and then a few years later, he finds himself in prison in, a, in Rome, and that's when he pens this letter to the church in Ephesus as an apostle, a changed man himself, right? 
And he pens this letter as an encouragement to say, family of God, this is who you are. This is your identity. This is what you've been given. A lot of his letters to the other churches were often correction kind of letters, but this is like a grand, um, just a grand symphony of truth and theology and identity given to the church. This letter has a much different tone to it and it's, it's beautiful, it's rich, it's deep, it almost has more than you can even handle. It's like a sponge full to the brim and we're just trying to squeeze it out and, and get these drops of nourishment into our soul from this letter. So I'm going to start uh, in verse 3. It says, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ, through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. In the Greek, this is one long run-on sentence. It's an amazing picture of what we've been given in Christ. We've been chosen and adopted without fault in his eyes. We are united with Christ and we receive every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Now that is a mystery to just chew on sometimes. We have received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. That's one of my favorite verses right there in the very beginning because it has so much depth. Every spiritual blessing means every spiritual blessing. There is so much to what God has given us. It will take our entire lifetime to uh, live into those blessings. There's always more depths of God to understand. And it says, what does it say about those spiritual blessings? You know, these aren't the kind of blessings that we like to think about, like, um, oh, uh, a beautiful house, a, a nice car, well-behaved kids, um, uh, fancy vacations. You know, we think, oh, we're blessed if we have lots of things and lots of good fortune, good circumstances. But that's not the kind of blessing that it's talking about here. The spiritual blessings are everything that we've been given in Christ 
because we've been united with him. Meaning there has been uh, a legal uh, transaction that has happened, that we are united with Christ and every benefit that he has, everything that he has been, been given is now ours to have, to inherit, to stand in. Everything that Christ has is now ours. That's incredible. And these spiritual blessings are in the heavenly realm, which is really uh, fascinating. In the heavenly realm is, is the unseen spiritual dimension to the world where, where God is, where Jesus is, where spiritual powers are, um, good and bad. And in the heavenly realm is where Christ is seated and he has the authority over everything. And he is seated in the heavenly realm. It says this later in um, chapter two, Christ is seated there and we are seated with him there. We are united with him in the heavenly realms. And he has all power and authority over the heavenly realms. And later in chapter six, Paul will tell us how to arm ourselves with the armor of God so that we can withstand against the evil powers in the heavenly realms. We can disarm the evil powers in the heavenly realms because we are seated with Christ. We have a position and an inheritance that's beyond what we often live in on a daily basis. And that gives us so much hope that we are seated there with Christ and we have received every spiritual blessing. That means his death and resurrection, everything that he paid for in death and everything that he has victory over in his resurrection, we now receive. There is nothing in this life that we cannot rise from because Christ was resurrected and we are resurrected with him. That is hope. And he's purchased our freedom. We are free from guilt. We are free from the payment of death that we owe. We are free from condemnation. We are free from all those things. He has purchased our freedom. And God is building this new family of God where he says there is no Greek or Jew or a slave or free or male or female, everyone now is united in Christ. You know, being chosen and adopted goes back to the Israelites. When the Israelites were chosen and adopted as God's own people and he dwelt in the midst of them in the temple. But now he's broken that wide open with the coming of Jesus. And we all receive the intimate presence of God. We are all chosen and adopted as his own people. And he is building this new family of God. Furthermore, we're given an inheritance, the Holy Spirit. It talks about that as we go on. It says in verse 12, God's purpose was that we Jews who are the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles who have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit who he promised 
long ago. The Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. We're given God's own spirit. It's like a, a seal and a stamp that this is uh, the beginning of the end. We are given a foretaste of what we are going to live in forever and ever in heaven. We are given a foretaste of life with him. The Holy Spirit, God's own spirit in us, that is our our seal and our down payment of what we are going to receive in the end. And then Paul goes on, how do you live out this chosen and adopted identity? How do you live out this uh, spiritual inheritance and the Holy Spirit living in us? Well, he, he prays for us. It's so big and wide and mysterious and all he does is pray that we would be filled with this identity. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope he has given to those who he has called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you would understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us, for us who believe in him. This same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any rule or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with him self. Christ fills our church with himself. He makes us full and complete in him. We don't have to do it. We don't have to work hard. We don't have to earn or deserve. We get to believe and receive. This prayer is so powerful and you can just sit in it and let it wash over you and pray it over yourself that we stand in God's power and may God's power give you rich spiritual insight and flood your heart with light. Man, take this week to settle in on chapter one and read it over and over and over again. God's new family, the family of God, is not about earning and deserving, but about believing this message of God, that before time began, he had his eye on you. He chose you and adopted you in himself, and it gave him great pleasure to do that. And he paid for your freedom. He purchased your life so that you didn't have to die, and he wants to be with you 
forever. So he gives you the Holy Spirit as a down payment of this glorious kingdom that we will live in forever. The kingdom of God is about receiving. Belonging in God's family is about receiving it. So how are you receiving these truths this week? Hope to see you next week in person as we continue on this series in Ephesians. Love you guys. Take care. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.